0: have thousands of words from God right here in this book. We have the way God thinks, the way God reacts, the way he handles adversity, what he thinks about you, how he feels about you. We have his emotions such as he laughs in the heavens, the Bible says. We have ways on how to have a successful marriage. We have words from God on who not to marry, the type of person you should look for. We have a black and white picture of exactly what we should do with the first 10% of our income Over a thousand times he told us. So when you say you want a word from God, you have this right here. It's called a Bible. Everybody say Bible. It might be a new word for some of you all, but it's a very good book. So we have words from God. We have how to handle the other 90% of our income. We have the type of people we should hang around. We have the type of people we should not hang around. We have how we should treat our boss, even though when they're rude to us. We have how to pray for our president and those in authority. We have thousands and thousands and thousands of words from God right here. But too many times we have this slightly selfish attitude on, I only want God to speak to me audibly. That's how I'm going to hear from God. As far as this, I'll get to it later. As far as the Bible, I'll wait till Sunday morning to hear what the pastor has to say. But when it comes to my relationship with God, I need to hear Him when I want to hear Him, how I want to hear Him, and what I want Him to say. It's very important that we recognize the power behind this book. There are specific words from God. There are general words from God. And a lot of times we can get lazy in our relationship with God and not take the emails and the texts and the letters that He's already written us. So if you have your handout, I have three major points today that will change your life forever. Everybody say forever. Forever it's going to change your life. Forever and ever and ever, okay? Point number one on Holy Spirit Bible is this get a Bible. Get a Bible, get a Bible physically, get a Bible, a physical one like this that you can see and touch. I recognize that there are um, electronic Bibles, uh, such as on your phone and on your laptop, and the one that I use is called eSWORD, E-S-W-R-D-X. I've used it for 10 years on my laptop. I have 22 different versions and translations of the Bible on there. I study it every single day of my life, just about every day, unless I'm on Vacation or out of the country, or even then I do, but about four to five hours of my day, every day, goes to reading the Bible on my laptop through sword But you also need a physical one. It's very important you have one. Um, I've collected Bibles over the years, and so I don't read any of those. I, I read my main one. I actually brought this one today. I didn't want to bring it. This is my favorite Bible of all time. Um, I could literally cry just opening it up. It smells so good. I could sleep on it. I love it. Like you have no idea how much I love this. And I didn't want to bring it because I was scared something was going to happen to it. This is the one I have in my house for me. Um, I just love it so much. And so I had like 15, 20 Bibles here at the first service. They even had my name written on it. And people, they were free. So I let people take them. And there's two more left here. But um, I want you to just get a Bible. You got to get a Bible. It's the best selling book Of all time. Of all time. Um, the word Bible comes from a Phoenician city um, that, that had the greatest export of papyrus back in the day. Now, papyrus is another word for paper. Man, more of y'all got it in this service than the last one, which is great. Papyrus is paper. This, The word Bible literally translates book, book, book of paper. However, there is a word that comes before the word Bible, and that word is holy Nobody got that right. That was good. I think y'all are cheating. But holy Bible, it is holy. That means it is set apart. It is different from all other books. It belongs to God. It is God. It's from God. This is His Word. There is no other Bible like it, no other book like it in the entire universe. There's something else that you possess right now that's holy it's the tithe. Uh, The tithe is set apart. It belongs to God. Now, just as I would never burn a Bible, in the same way, I would never spend the tithe on anything but bringing it to the local storehouse because it's holy. It's set apart. Um, it it, belong, it is from God. There's power behind this. So on your handouts, I've given you three different types of Bibles that I'm going to teach you about in point number one, okay? There's the literal translation Bible. The literal translation is word-for-word translation. Now, for those of you that don't know, the, the, the original New Testament was written in Greek. The original Old Testament was written in Hebrew, okay? A literal translation Bible, like the King James Version, the um, English Standard Version, the Amplified, which is my favorite, if I was on a deserted island and didn't have any electricity or internet, I would get an Amplified, would be the only Bible, if I could take one book with me, it would be the Amplified Bible. However, it's hard to understand a literal translation because we don't talk like they did when they originally wrote the Greek New Testament and the Hebrew Old Testament. We don't talk like that. So when it's translated word for word, it can be sometimes hard to understand so it's good for personalities who like to study. That's what that's good for. Okay. Second one is a literal is a dynamic translation. A dynamic translation is phrase for phrase. In other words, um, I didn't say this in the first service, but like if I if I was if there was some Spanish stuff going on and somebody was like interpreting for me in a regular conversation, they wouldn't say it just like I say it. They would say it in their phrase or a thought. I would say the verse, and they would kind of say. A way the easy to understand that you understand it's a phrase by phrase, thought by thought. Some examples are the CEV, <clears throat> the NIV, the Good News Bible, and this is good for reading. For reading. The third type is actually not a translation, but it's a category of Bibles, and that is the paraphrase Bible. A paraphrase Bible puts it in modern-day language. The message is awesome, the living Bible is awesome. This is for enjoyment. <clears throat> the guy who started paraphrase Bibles. Started it for his children to be able to enjoy reading the Bible. Now, an example would be like if I said, um, if the original Bible said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. The paraphrase would say, Yo, dude, I got excited when you invited me to church. That's exactly what it would say. Exactly. It's paraphrasing it, okay? Um, on your handout, I put the same scripture three times using the three different types of category Bibles, so you can see the difference. Um, years ago, I had a lady that wanted to come to church, and so she wanted to meet me first. <clears throat> so I went to visit her on a Saturday. She was all gun ho everything was ready. And the last thing she said was, I need to ask you, what translation of the Bible do you preach from? I said, I-, I preach from all translations. I have a computer program with about 22 different translations. I use all of them, all through the sermon. She said, I'm sorry, I will never go to a church that doesn't use the King James Version of the Bible only. So I said this to her, are you aware that Jesus did not speak English when he was on earth, which shocked her. I said, if he did speak English, he would not speak like they did in the 15th or 16th century in England with the King James Version. He would not even talk like that. In fact, the King James Bible is not even the first one to be translated into English. It's a good one. But it doesn't matter. God doesn't care if you get an NIV, ESV, AMP, CEV, GNB, PMS. Just get a translation. The PMS translation is the one that always highlights when a bad man dies. It's like, yeah, kill him. Yeah, get him, God, get him. <laughs> is Erica Rare not in here anymore? Good. Good. I can feel her somewhere. She's looking at me with laser vision right now somewhere. Anyway, okay. Just get a Bible. Let me tell you how important the Bible is. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Psalms 19.10, God's word is more precious than gold and sweeter than honey. Romans 10.17, faith comes by hearing the word of God. Isaiah 55.11, my word will go out and not return void. It will accomplish that which I desire. Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is power and salvation to everyone that believes. Psalms 103.20, his mighty angels listen to his voice, quick to fulfill the voice of his word. Matthew 4.4, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Psalms 33.4, the word of God and the Lord is right and true. 1 Peter 1.23, you have been born again. Again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed. By the word of God, which lives forever. Psalms 119, 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will never pass away. Isaiah 40, verse 8. Grass withers, flowers fall. The word of God endures forever. Psalms eighteen thirty. The word of God is perfect and faultless. He shields all who take refuge. And in it. Matthew 7, 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them is like a wise man to build his house upon the rock. Psalms nineteen seven. The law of the Lord is perfect. It restores your soul. Proverbs 4, 25. Pay attention to what I say. My word is life and health. Through all I find it. Psalms one hundred seven twenty. He sent His word, and it healed them. It delivered them from their destruction. Hebrews four twelve. The word of God is alive, full of power. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the soul and the spirit, exposing the very thoughts and the motives of the heart. Get a Bible. <laughs> Get a Bible. Just this last scripture, it says this is so powerful, it can divide what you think, what you want, and what you feel, which is your soul, and it can divide that to your spirit, what God wants for you. That alone should call, look how great my Bible is. This is called Bible yoga, right here. I love how my Bible can do that, and sometimes I hold it like this. It makes me feel old school, you know. And then sometimes I hold it like this, it makes me feel very, reverentful. I just love it. I just love it. Sometimes I sleep on it and hoping that somehow I get something from it in the middle of the night. I love this. I just love it. I can't even tell you. I can't. Honestly, I can't even tell you like what God says through this. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. Number one, get a Bible. Number two, get to know the author of the Bible. Get to know the author for heaven's sakes. Listen, y'all are Christians you're gonna to have to get one and know the author sooner or later. Know the let me tell you something about the author. God is a spirit. Everybody say spirit. You're gonna to need to know that in a little bit. Say spirit. Um, God is a triune triune being. Okay, Father God, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, or Holy Ghost. If I were to ask you today, what is H2O? You would say water. Okay, good. We have graduates of Socasty Elementary School. Okay, so if I said, if you freeze H2O, we call that ice. If you heat up H2O and you steam it and it turns into a gaseous state, is it still H2O? What's the liquid called? Water. So if it's water or it's ice or it's steam, it's still H2O. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's all God. you got to know that about the altar. It's all God. In fact, the Word became flesh. The very beginning was the Word. The very end will be the Word. It's all God. You understand? Whether you freeze it, whether you solidify it, whether it's stink, it's all H2O, it's all three. It's all God. you got to view Him like that in all three. Here's why. In 1 Corinthians 2.13, it tells us one of the reasons that some people don't understand the Bible when they read it. I'm going to give you two reasons today why you may not understand the Bible. Here's one. 1 Corinthians 2.13 says, Every word that we speak was taught by the Holy Spirit, not by human wisdom. As we explain spiritual truths to those who have the Spirit, anyone who does not have God's Spirit does not accept the teachings and revelations of the Spirit of God, For they are nonsense to him. In other words, if you're not saved, you're not going to understand what this book is about because it's written to save people. Right now, my cell phone is turned off because we're in church. If somebody tried calling me, I would not be able to hear from them. Not because I don't have a cell phone, but because it's not turned on. If you're not saved, your spirit has not been turned on, it is off, it is dead. The Bible says once you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same Spirit that dwells in you. It quickens your mortal bodies, the Bible says. It quickens you. Your spirit is connected to God's Spirit. It's turned on, and then God the Spirit can talk to your spirit. Here's the point. If you don't know the author, you can't understand his book. That's why you have some of the most brilliant minds in the world that don't understand all of this book because they're not safe. It's not human wisdom. It's our spirits. Remember last week I taught you how you're a spirit and you have some human experiences. You're not a human. You're a spirit and you get some human experiences. Sometimes we think we're a human and every now and then we experience something spiritual. No, you're spirits. And you have a human body and you experience some human stuff every now and then. Okay? This is very, very important. Watch this. The Bible is a spiritual book Written by a spiritual being to spiritual beings. Really important. And I think that once you get this, like you're going to be so excited when you leave here once you get it. Um, the Bible is a spiritual book. It's written by a spiritual being to spiritual beings. In other words, we have God's autobiography. Not his biography. We have his Autobiography. We have an encyclopedia of the creator of the universe. Let me ask you a question. You know the song um, I just called to say I love you? Y'all know? Hold on. Do I need to play it? You know. Y'all know the song? I'll give you a hint. Who wrote it? Okay. But he's blind. He's blind. I have the sheet music to that song at home. It says Stevie Wonder wrote it. I don't know if I can imagine... This blind man pulling out a pen and paper and drawing a treble clef and a bass clef and putting notes in it and writing the words? That seems unusual to me. Did Stevie Wonder write the song? Oh, I see. Stevie Wonder wrote it. But somebody else penned it. Right? Somebody else penned it. This book has one author. Now, between 39 and 44 men or so penned it, but there's one author. Who wrote the book of Genesis? God. Who wrote the book of Revelation? God. Who wrote Joshua? God. Who wrote Matthew? God. Now, another person penned it, but God wrote it. Is God a spirit? Who wrote the Bible? Is God a spirit? Who wrote the Bible? I need to hear everybody. Is God a spirit? Who wrote the Bible? Is God a spirit? Who wrote the Bible? And God's a spirit. This is the only book in the universe written by a spirit. Two spirits You won't find another one like it ever. You can possess a book for (laughs) $49.99 that was written by the Spirit that created the universe. And you can read it anytime you want to. Doesn't that amaze you? Let me tell you why this is important. Because if you deny the inerrancy or the perfection or the infallibility of the Bible, you've also denied that it came from God. If you deny that this book is perfect, the second you say, you know what, that contradicts itself, and I don't know if I believe what they say about sex and marriage and um, relationships and money. I don't know if I like that part about money. And this part, I'm sure of. When you do that, you know what you've just done? You've just said, well, this wasn't written by God. It's just fallible. There's something wrong with it not written by God. The second you deny that this is perfect is the second you've also denied it was not written by God. Because God is perfect and this is the holy Bible. This is so much more exciting than I think y'all are like, look at my Bible yoga, see it can do that? Y'all, this is what I call Bible sub. See y'all can't do that. I just, I love it, I just eat it. You know the first thing Satan did was is he tried to get he did accomplish this. He tried to get Adam and Eve to doubt that God said it. That didn't come from God. <laughs> that didn't come from God. They thought, it didn't. Maybe, maybe it didn't. The second they thought that God didn't say it, they became God. Kicked him off his throne and said, we're going to decide what is right and wrong morally. The minute that you think you can judge this, you don't judge this. This judges you. <laughs> you can't say this is right and wrong. This judges you to say if you're doing right and wrong. And the minute that you think you can judge this, you've become God. You're decide- that's, why, that's, why, that's why Satan got dominion of the earth. Because he talked Adam and Eve into believing God didn't say it. The minute they thought, okay, God didn't say it, Satan became their God because they believed what Satan said. And Satan had rule of the world. They gave him. Do you want Satan to have dominion over your household? Then you better make sure this is the final authority. Do you want Satan to have dominion over your relationships? You better make sure this is the final authority. You want Satan to have dominion over your bank account? You better make sure this is the final authority. This is the holy Bible. It don't get any better than this right here. Nothing is as good as this. No movie. No twilight novel. (laughs) about stinking vampires, none of that. I got vampire teeth right here. One day when I get some money, I'm going to file those things down. Okay, so here let me tell you something else. I've heard somebody say this to me. They said, John Paul, it's scientifically impossible for a man to live in a fish for three days. How many of you Christians by show of hand believe That it is scientifically impossible for a man to live inside of a fish for three days. You're absolutely right. It is scientifically impossible for a man to live in a fish for three days. It's also scientifically impossible for a seed to part and two million people walk across on dry land. It's also scientifically impossible for ravens to bring a man food three times a day for two years. It's also scientifically impossible for a virgin to give birth to a child. It's also scientifically impossible for a man to outrun a horse for 16 miles. It's also scientifically impossible for a man to be in one city and in the blink of an eye be in another city. It's also scientifically impossible for a fish to swallow a gold coin and then bite the very hook that Peter puts inside there when Jesus told him to put it inside there. It's also scientifically impossible for a child to be raised from the dead after three days. That doesn't prove this isn't true it proves we serve a supernatural God it proves that God's behind all this Uh, it's not it's not scientifically you're right he created science if my God is subject to his creation he's not a God worth serving if God is subject to gravity and he created gravity and he can't make a man walk on water if God can't defy the very thing he created why should I worship him he owns gravity he can tell gravity when to turn on and when to turn off He created the sun. He stopped it in the sky for Joshua. That is scientifically impossible. And thank God it is. Because that means I serve a supernatural God. This book is way cooler than you think. Stop the sun for Joshua? Man, you can't get that in any Marvel movie. You can't see Iron Man do that. Iron Man. I wish Mark were in this. He was in the first service. Where's the camera? Iron Man can't stop the sun, buddy. (laughs) Okay. Last point, this is the longest sermon of the year, so so hang out with me a little bit. Number one, get a Bible. Number two, get to know the author of the Bible. Number three, read your Bible. (laughs) Read it. You're Christians, you're going to have to read it sooner or later. You might as well do it now. Read the Bible. I wonder if, if I was to take your cell phone from you right now, and I looked at the texts and the emails you got in the past week, how many of those came from people that you don't even like? And don't raise your hand if they're sitting next to you or anything like that, because we'll be all dealing with the fence and stuff like that. I bet that you opened up that text or that email, and I bet you read it from that yo-yo you don't even care about. And you probably responded to it too. How much easier is it to just open this? Oh the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. Or stand around with sinners or join with the mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They're like trees planted in the riverbank, bearing fruit every season. Their leaves never wither. They prosper in all they do. Man, that's better than any text I've gotten from any of y'all this week. This is, I mean, this is just amazing. That was such a good one right there. Tainted well. Has no lasting value, but right living can save your life. The Lord will not let the godly go hungry. Lazy people are soon poor. Hard workers get rich. The godly are showered with blessings. I just can't even, I just can't even tell you how amazing this is. Read your Bible. So what I want to do is for the next 10 minutes, then I'll done, I want to, I want to teach you how to exegete the scripture. The word exegesis, E-X-E-G-E-S-I-S, I I spend about 20 to 25 hours doing this every week so that I can give it to you on Sunday morning. To exegete, there's a Bible college class we have on it actually. The word exegesis, E-X-E-G-E-T-E, or exegesis, it means to draw out of the scripture, to learn how to draw out. It's a lot deeper than what I'm about to show you, but I'm showing you what I'm going to show you so we can all understand it, okay? There are basically, and I say it's a lot deeper, but basically, there are two conversations that are going on in this book at all times. There's a natural conversation, and there's a spiritual conversation. The natural conversation, such as like a history book, can only be understood by the natural man. The spiritual conversation can only be understood by the spiritual man. If you want to understand the spiritual part of it, you got to get the spirit in your life. I told you earlier, you can't understand the Bible unless you know the author. He speaks spirit to spirit. That's why that's why you got very intelligent people that can read any college book in the world and understand it, but they can't understand this. Because they're only looking at it as a history book. Now, the natural man, the history book, even that is exciting to me. Very exciting. Even that I love I spent, I have. I wrote down, I literally wrote about 20 pages of natural stuff I was going to share with you. I had like a hundred and something examples. I just narrowed it down to one. So just, just one, one history lesson for you today. Just a history lesson. No spiritual, just history lesson. In 1 Samuel 15.10, is it first or second? I can't see it. Put it up there. 2 Samuel 15.10, Absalom seeks advice on how to destroy David who is king of Israel. Everybody understand Israel over on the other side of the world? Everybody knows Israel? Okay, in 1948 it became its own nation again. Israel, David's the king of it. In this scripture, David's king. Absalom tries to find out how to destroy him. Absalom seeks this advice while standing on a hill that is east of Jerusalem called the Hill of Evil Counsel. Weird, that's what they called it. He ends up not being able to kill David. In fact, he dies on the hill of evil counsel. Fast forward several years. Now David's son Solomon is king. 1 Kings 11.7. Solomon married a bunch of foreign women. They talked him into worshiping false idols. Solomon built a a pagan shrine on a hill that is east of Jerusalem called the hill of evil counsel. Just a history book. It's cool. 970 years later, a high priest named Caiaphas buys that property. He builds a home on a hill east of Jerusalem called the Hill of Evil Council. In Luke 22, in the home of Caiaphas, Judas agreed to sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver while standing on the Hill of Evil counsel. Fast forward a few more years. Acts 5, 17-21, Caiaphas meets with a bunch of leaders on the hill of evil council to try to find out ways to persecute, to kill and destroy the early Christians. Guess what is on that hill right now as we're sitting in this church? The United Nations. Their office is on the hill of evil. Just a history lesson. Just a history lesson. Now, I'm not saying that we should not get together as nations and find world peace. I am saying we should never compromise with how we treat Israel, God's chosen people, on the hill of evil counsel. Just, 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 I had so many I could have showed you. That's just one natural man history lesson. Earlier I told you one of the reasons you may not understand this is because you're not saved. Let me give you another reason that you may not understand this book. The only other reason I don't think you could understand this book, and I'm going to say it in sarcastic terms before I put it on the board, okay? Soccusty terms is this, you're a lazy butt Christian. That's soccusty in the more formal John Paul terms. It's not about your level of knowledge. It's about your intensity of searching. In any relationship, husband and wife, it's not necessarily about how much you know about that person. It's about how much you pursue them every single day. You might forget their favorite flower, their favorite food, their favorite color. But if you spend every day pursuing them, that means the world to them. God wants you to pursue him with energy. Some of you are like this. I'm going to read the Bible today. Don't understand that. I'm done with that. That was boring. Didn't get anything from it. Don't know what it means. Why don't you try searching a little bit and studying and saying, God, what are you trying to show me through this? Speak to me. Tell me, God. Share it with me. The Bible says it is of no private interpretation, which means no person interprets this Bible alone. It's not that John Paul is smart. It's not that at all. The Bible says that the Bible interprets itself. Anyone of us in here can read this and understand it. If we are saved and know Jesus is our Lord, you can understand this book if you put a little bit of effort into it. So now in closing, I want to show you how to read this Bible spiritually. And this is the most exciting five minutes of the entire service today. I promise you, the most exciting, okay? Spiritually, and if you're not saved, you're gonna get bored with this. But spiritually speaking, let's read the Bible spiritually. There are spiritual symbols in the Bible. Everybody say spiritual symbols. Okay, ready? If you got your hand out, you're gonna love this. In Luke 10, 17, Jesus sent the disciples off, and it says that 70 of them returned, and they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to your name. Jesus said, that don't impress me much. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority over scorpions and serpents and over all the power of the enemy. There are some spiritual symbols here and it should be very easy for you to tell what they are. We already see demons, we see enemy, and we see Satan. Look at these other nouns. You got serpents and scorpions. Now did Jesus say, listen, yes, demons are subject to my very name. They will run and flee at the name of Jesus. I've given you power over the enemy. I saw Satan fall. Oh, and if y'all come across any snakes or insects, just step on them and just, you know, don't worry. Just step on it. I've given you permission. Just get rid of the insects. Spray them. Step on them. Just, you know, cut the snake in half. Kill it. Whatever. It'll be done. Is Jesus giving us zoology lessons? Or is there a spiritual symbol behind serpents and scorpions? Y'all are smart. What, what do you think serpents? What do you think a serpent is? Devil or demons? Serpents and scorpions, right? I mean, save people, right? <laughs> it's easy to see that. Demons, Satan, enemy, serpents, scorpions. I didn't just make this up. The Bible interprets itself. I'll prove it to you. Revelation 12, 9. The great dragon was cast out. That old, what is it? Serpent called the devil and Satan. Wait a minute, wait a minute. How can serpent mean demonic activity in Revelation? And it means demonic stuff in the Gospels. Here's how. The same guy wrote the whole book. The same author is of all of it in this whole thing. He he wrote the whole thing. Let's keep going because y'all look like y'all are stunned right now. Let's keep going. Ready? Psalms 100 verse 3. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Now, either some of y'all smell like animals, some of y'all walk on all fours, or there's a spiritual symbol here. We are his people and the what? Now, do you think that he's given us another zoology lesson? Hey, some of y'all are my people, some of y'all are sheep. Or are sheep God's people? Do we see that? We all know that, right? We all we all agree. Does everybody agree that sheep is God's people? Okay, I need to talk to me. Ezekiel thirty four five. Let's look at another one. The sheep were scattered because there was no shepherd. Now it doesn't say good shepherd or a. It doesn't say the shepherd. It's talking about just an average shepherd. That is a pastor. In Ephesians four, it says shepherds or pastors of his flocks. Okay, so the sheep were scattered because there's no shepherd. They became prey for the beasts of the field. And we already agree that sheep means people. It's obvious a shepherd is a pastor. Does it mean this? Hey, when people don't have a pastor that's feeding them the Word of God, I'm going to make sure that lions and tigers just have easy prey to come after. Is that what it's talking about, or is there another spiritual symbol? Beasts of the field is another symbol for demonic activity in the Bible. It's saying when you don't get fed the Word of God, you're easy prey for demons. Let me keep. I know demons may scare. I'm going to show you some more. Deuteronomy twenty eight twenty six. If you don't obey the fully the voice of the Lord, your flesh will be food for the beasts of the earth, and there'll be no one to chase them away. Now, either God's saying, "Hey, um, when you don't, you know, honor this word here, after you die, I'm going to make sure that some tigers and some oxen and some coyotes go after your body," or there's spiritual symbols. Your flesh is your flesh patterns, your soulless nature. Again, beasts of the field, beasts of the earth, demonic activity. If you're not honoring God's word, y'all are still looking at me crazy. So I'm gonna keep going until everybody has fun. I'm gonna go until everybody has fun. I mean, like roller coaster fun. I want to see everybody do this before we're done. Okay, Daniel 4:12. The tree. Oh, there's another one. Tree. Now either he's giving us an arborist lesson, or tree represents something. What about in the Bible? The trees of the field will clap their hands and worship God. Is it talking about palm trees and oak trees high fiving? Or does trees mean people of God? I just read you in here Psalms 1:1. 1, 1, if you meditate on God's word, you're like a tree that's planted by the water, producing fruit every season. Okay, tree. Say I'm a tree. Say I'm a sheep. Say I smell like one. Okay, right here we go. The large tree. Now the reason it says I'm gonna just tell you this. It means it got prideful. It got a big head. It got prideful. Okay, it didn't need God's word. It didn't. It didn't make God the final authority. It thought that it wanted the, the tree wanted to be the final authority. So it says the tree grew large and beasts of the field rested in its shade. Verse fourteen. The angel said, "Here's how you handle it: cut down the tree, chop off the branches, drive the beasts away. Nevertheless, leave the stump or the vine or the origin, leave the leave the leave the leave the bottom. Right? You see that branches tree? What what's up with that? Why why are we? What what what? How do I know that we're branches? John 15, 5, Jesus said, I am the vine. You're the branches. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you'll bear much fruit. If you don't remain in me, my words don't remain in you. You're like a branch that will be pruned and thrown into the fire. Bam! What's that guy that does the, the cooks? Bam! Like that? What's his name? Emerald Lagasse? All right, bam! That's my new thing now. I'm starting now. Bam! That's it. Man, this, is, this book is so, I love it so much. Oh my gosh, I love it. It's so exciting. It is so exciting. Oh, I love it. I just love it. Okay, almost done, almost done. Serpent, we already all agreed, serpent's the devil, right? We saw it in Revelation. The same guy that wrote Revelation wrote the rest of them. Where's another place in the Bible that you can think of where the serpent was the devil? Uh, Let's look and see. Genesis 3.1 Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God made. Do you see it? Do you see it? Either it says the snake was smarter than the wild animals, or it says the devil was smarter than the wild animals, or it says the devil is the most cunning demon that there is. This is so, do you have any idea this is better than Star Okay, this is a really great book. It's so good. It's so good. I want you all to be excited, so I'm going to do one more. This don't excite you, I'm leaving. Let's say you're the devil, and you already manipulated the word of God, and you talked Adam and Eve into making you boss. Because Satan said something. It's not God. God said something. They agreed with Satan. So Satan became, had dominion over the earth. For a few thousand years, you've had dominion over the earth, and then all of a sudden, you hear that the Son of God shows up. Second man. Son of God, they called him. Son of Adam. Son of God. Jesus is on the earth, and man, you don't want him to take over dominion. You want to keep it. You don't want him taking the keys to death, hell, and the grave. You want to be in charge. You're the devil. When you go after the Son of God, do you go by yourself or do you take every demon power in the universe with you? Let's see what the devil did. Mark 13. Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan and was with the beasts of the field and the angels ministered. Man, if that don't light your fire, I don't know what will. Now either God just said, hey, The devil was after Jesus, and there were some dogs and some tigers, you know, monkeys. Or for 40 days, Jesus had the devil and every demon after him. You know that Satan wasn't there just three times. Satan tempted him three times, but Satan was there all 40 days. If you read your Bible, all 40 days. This is amazing. This is the heart of God. Tell me if you see some type of cohesive string it's running through the whole book, okay? There's a, there's a cohesiveness that is so, it's, it's 1 in 18, I think it's like 1 in 18 to the 32nd power, as cohesive as this book is, okay? Watch this, here we go. Exodus 22:45, 29:45. 29, 45, I will dwell among them and I will be their God. Leviticus 26, 45, remember that I brought them out of bondage that I might be their God. Ezekiel 14, 11, no longer stray from me, be my people and I will be your God. Zechariah 8.8, I will bring them back and they shall be my people and I will be their God. Jeremiah 7.23, obey my voice and I will be your God and you will be my people. Hebrews 8.10, I will put my laws into their minds and on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Leviticus 26.12, I will walk among you and be your God and you shall be my people. Ezekiel 37.23, I will deliver them from their sins and cleanse them. They will be my people and I will be their God. Exodus 6.7, I will take you as my own people. I will be your God. Joel 3.17 There's no other Savior besides me. I am the Lord, your God. Isaiah 49.26 All of mankind will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior, your Redeemer, and your God. Jeremiah 30.22 You will be my people and I will be your God. Genesis 17.8 I will give you the land and I will be your God. Second Corinthians 6.16 I will dwell among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Ezekiel 11.20 They may put with me, walk in my ways and will be my people and I shall be their God. Jeremiah 31.33 I put my law within them and I will be their God and they shall be my people Revelation 21 3 I heard a loud voice from the very throne of heaven that said behold God is among them they shall be his people and he will be their God man